Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor wrote a book. It came out in 2007 that was over 800 pages long and was pretty much his answer to one question. Why was it virtually impossible not to believe in God in, say, 1500 in our Western society, while by the year 2000, many of us find this not only easy, but even inescapable? The book is called A Secular Age, and in it, Taylor argues that what we now consider secular comes in large part from the church. It was the church, according to Taylor, that disenchanted the world. It used to be that the world was enchanted. People believed that objects, at times by their mere presence, could have spiritual impact and power. Religious leaders often worked against this way of thinking, presenting instead that true spiritual power came from God and God alone. Once the world became disenchanted, Taylor says, the doors were open for people to question not only superstition, but also to question the claims of the church itself. There's a lot more to the process, but the process led to what we now know as the secular. This should matter to you because you were perhaps raised in an environment in which there were clear divisions between the sacred and the secular. Things and people and vocations committed to God were somehow thought of as higher in religious cultural circles. If you grew up evangelical, you know the term secular music. I think that secular is in part a gift to us. If people had not questioned the church and its dogma through the years, we may still believe that the earth is flat. More than that, we would miss out on the goodness of God. It is curiously small-minded to think that God hangs out with those in a particular club, that Christian music has something to say while secular music or art or poetry does not. Karl Barth spoke of the love of God shining in all lights. He called this wide expanse of things lesser lights, while he said that Jesus is the one true light. This is better than a division of sacred and secular. We'd like to help you move past unhelpful divisions. I remember that I almost cried once watching a Grand Slam tennis match on TV. The players were so good that it was astounding. Some of the rallies were hard to believe, the shots that were made, and the crowd was caught up. How could anything be that impressive? Is tennis secular? I can feel the same caught-upness at the lyrics of a Paul Simon song. It's long past time for a better understanding of culture and the arts of the world than the tired and divisive sacred-secular dichotomy. We're here to talk about that today. Welcome to the Rector's Cupboard. In 1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. What? A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. Order. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. Yeah. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice Whoa. whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. <sighs> the Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. Wow, we're here in studio. Yeah. And our guest Randy Hine is here. Randy will be introduced in just a couple of minutes. Welcome, Randy. Thanks, man. And Allison's on the mic. Yes, I am. And Amanda is producing. Just Producer out Rick over here. is unavailable today. Hmm. And we're going to do our tasting right off the top. Yes, we are. Is that okay? So you brought the special items today. I did. My son and I went and we got them today. I had to give him a small finder's fee. 
Uh, what we have uh, today is we have a selection of donuts from Harmony Donuts here, donuts. Uh, local in North Vancouver. They're delicious. I, I taste tested them earlier just to make sure they were a good batch. Um, I, I talked to the owner today and she was telling me Harmony Donuts has been in North Vancouver at that location for 50 years. It looks like the building fell down a few years ago. It might. <laughs> like it's, do you know where it is, Randy? No. You know, okay, you know Upper Lonsdale. It's yes, a, of course. So if you are, Just you know there's that new Starbucks in Upper, upper mm-hmm. well, yeah, yeah. new to you and I. Well, I it's been there <laughs> but it's, it's near the Queen's It's been there Cross. for 20 yeah. years, it's, but it's, it's still. right across it's, from the pub. Yeah, yeah so just right in by between there. the Starbucks mm. and the Queen's Cross, there's right. like a hairdresser and I think, okay. and, and this donut shop. And this shop. donut shop. And it's so, it it's all sorts of like crazy and stuff, but. These donuts are all very colorful though. They are. They have They're like, really it's, it's all the same like donut base. And then they have a variety of mm. glazes and toppings, nuts, sprinkles, coconut, now, all that stuff. Is there a stuff. particular kind of donut that this is you're telling me, like as opposed to say. It's a, a cake donut and cake. not a yeasted donut. Did okay. you know that? I did not. That's You're about okay. to know it's, in the taste. So, no, so we don't need to go into and talk. We are. So, so we I, our apologies, all our apologies for this. We'll try to pull back from the mic as we chomp away. But we would, to- I would totally recommend. Randy and I checking it Also out. have some scotch from a previous yes, episode. I opted for so tea, but like, we we dipped a, into the cupboard. I was a disappointed. Yeah, really kid like donuts. Really it's kid okay. like really kid like looking donuts. Like the pink one literally looks like the Simpsons donut. Yes, indeed. And. And some and some scotch, and some lovely so. scotch. So I think we're in for some great conversation. They, they complement. They complement each other very well. I think I would so. Say. Mm-hmm. Gee, um, I'm tasting one now. I'm okay, don't talk then. It's super hard to talk. <laughs> okay, then I'll talk. Um, our guest today is Randy Hine. He is a pastor uh, in Victoria, uh, in Holly Dean Community Church. Uh, and have you been there for 28 years now, you were well, saying? Well, I've been on the island for 28 yes. years. Yes, sorry. This, yeah. you said, um, you distinctly said it was not a church plant. That well, You said it would be more appropriate to call it uh, a six-year-old experiment. Yeah, well, I, I think church plants conjure things in people's brains. You mm-hmm. know? There's this kind of this hard launch and these people... Definitely like, a mine. Yeah, yeah. And this was kind of like a, an accident, a happy, <laughs> a happy, sacred accident. You know, some people just kind of found each other and they were tired of church, right? And, yeah. and I think we weren't committed to doing church well, but we wanted to do life well. That's and, great. and so we kind of found each other. And, and um, yeah, I think we're probably more identifiable by our practices and our articles of faith. You know, there, there's just some things that we're committed to doing together to, to practice hospitality. And we want to be formed in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. That looks remotely Christian, <laughs> uh, but we're also engaged in in, in mission. You know, and in, 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 what in, um, you're from here. I am. What from, brought from you to Russia. Victoria? Was it work originally? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, it, it was. I, I was. I, I think uh, I was looking for an evangelical church at that time, yeah. and, and there was one in Victoria. And Victoria seemed like a nice place. I okay. mean, it growing is. up on the North Shore, it's kind of hard to think of of being anywhere else. It's kind of nice yeah we get spoiled there but victoria is also a a spoiling it's beautiful geography and so uh i found myself in victoria 28 years ago wow Uh, well we're glad you're here present Mm -hmm. instead of by zoom i mean zoom's good but yeah it it was it was great that we were able to actually have you have you here and Mm. just to be clear we are socially distanced (laughs) just i feel like that's like the caveat on a lot of things that you're like it's live but it's socially distanced are there like people looking out for that i don't know but i want to make sure we're checking off those boxes super far away from randy (laughs) yes um, I mean, you're not even done that. No, I'm not. Uh, Randy uh, went to SFU and got has two degrees in philosophy and English literature, an MA from Regent College, a doctorate from Cary Theological Institute. So all the education ticked off all those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you also talked to us a little bit about how 
in you're not just isolated within your your church or experimental community, but that you actually are also engaged with the arts community in in what you classified as a Gandalfy way. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> some some one artist at one point just said. No, you say, you said you, you it sounded Gandalf. You, you can't really like, call yourself Gandalf, can you? No, like, you can't. No, you see, so. you can't do it, right? So I, I kind of blew it in my introduction. But, oh, um, sad. I, it, it's it's kind of Chaplin-like. Okay. You know? the, the, most, most of the artists that I do hang out with, the majority, don't self-identify as, as Christian. So they wouldn't, wouldn't think of me as their pastor, per se. I like that Chaplin to the artists kind of. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But uh, but I show up at shows, you know, and 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 sometimes they're over at my house the following morning after a show, and I'm making them waffles, and you know they're they're working <laughs> out whatever they have to work out in the post concert. Yeah. Malaise and and uh, so I just kind of I'm that presence, right? And um, did did that happen um, like intentionally, or was it a little bit of building relationships, and then you were interested in music and the arts, or? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Intention is an interesting yeah, word, okay. but I, I've, I've always been intentionally interested in the arts, right. and, and, and artists themselves have always enlarged my life. But you weren't necessarily I saying, like I want to start this program. No, no, okay, yeah. gosh, no. no. Uh, <laughs> I'm, but, you know, I, 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 I did have um, artists in my community, people who self-identified as Christian that were also in, engaged in public art. And, and they were the ones that kind of introduced me to that world. So I, I, I really wouldn't have had a gate a, mm. a bridge into that world yeah. without mm. these other friends of mine that really have been very dear to me and part of my life for all that time. So, that, so that, that's a piece of my life, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not the kind of the whole shebang, but, uh, but it is definitely a, an important and critical element of my, my being. So what are you listening to now or re-listening <laughs> to? I, one of the things that's happened to me in this pandemic time, and I don't think it's just, I don't think it's just because I'm old and, you know, old people do this. Um, but I've I've been unearthing a bit more, like yeah, music yeah, I yeah. used to listen to or yeah. something. I don't know if it's like comfort food or something like that. <laughs> but what are you listening to now or re-listening to? Well, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of both. Um, okay. What I'm listening to, and you, you, you might judge me for this. I think people will probably judge me for this. This is not some obscure indie band out mm -hmm. of Seattle, you know. Although Mike Adele, a good friend of mine, is living in... Seattle, I'm listening to him these days. This is just, this is just a shout out to Mike. But I'm, I'm actually listening to Taylor Swift. Cool. Uh, her, her, her latest project, Folklore. Uh, I yeah. think it's just I've remarkable. I've heard great things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, I, I think she's, she's trying, I'm not trying, I think she just is kind of pulling a bit of an Alanis Morissette. You know, for those of us who kind of grew up in, in the 90s, you know, there, mm -hmm. there was, Alanis was this pop icon, you know, and, and then she went through this sort of transformative change and she really became a voice of a generation. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, for a lot of us at that time, I think uh, Alanis Morissette means something. Um, I, I think Taylor Swift, you know, her, her problem, her, her barrier, her, her challenge is that she was a very successful pop musician, you know, so for her to, to kind of move from that into something deeper and richer and more nuanced and more robust is, is kind of a, a bigger challenge. But yeah, although she, arguably it's not the first transformation that she's had coming from right. particularly like a very country route Indeed. and then becoming very pop. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think she's just old enough now like to kind of have well, adult regrets. Yes. You know, she's had adult issues. And <laughs> so, so some of the, the, the storytelling she's doing right now and some of the imagery that she's using right now, it just, it's, it's very, very rich and deep and, and I think it's worth, worth a listen. Um, who I'm re-listening to right now, though, is Coburn. Oh, are you? Uh, really? I've, I've come back, gone back to Bruce. And, Rediscovered and, Coburn. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it's a crazy thing, right? Because I, I, I have this fear that we're going to forget him. You know, um, sometimes I'm in college context and I'm talking to students and I'm quoting Coburn and they don't know who I'm talking about. 
And they say, come on, it's Bruce Coburn. And they still look at me with, with really? they don't know who I'm talking about, right? And so, come on, you know, like, Lover's in a Dangerous Time, you know, the Bare Naked Ladies covered that song. And they're like, who's the Bare Naked Ladies? I'm like, come uh, on, like, give me a break. <laughs> you gotta know who these guys are. Oh, but, uh, like, it's making me feel a little, like, dated yeah. as well. Oh. No, because I was just reading an article today about how Jack White is is uh, stepping into someone's place to, to play on SNL. Right. And oh, was Jack White doing that this week? Yes, and people were yeah, like, who's guy? Jack White? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I am not old uh, enough for this to be yeah, happening, happening, but apparently but I am. They didn't do that with oh. Megan the Stallion or something, right? They did. No, but I, I had to Google who she was. But, but it isn't his protest stuff that's hitting me right now? Hmm. You know, um, uh, but, but I mean, it's and that's good stuff. I mean, if we were listening to it today, like he was writing this in the 80s during the Reagan administration. If I had a rocket launcher. Yeah, and like, it, or, or they call it democracy, yeah. you know, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, you know, just a lot of the songs that he's, and yeah. the, the problem with normal is it keeps getting worse, you know. It, it sounded like crazy bad shit back yeah. then. You know, but, but today, yeah. you know, 20-somethings listening to this in, in the present political landscape mm. that we live in right now, it, it would resonate so, It so makes deeply. sense. There was a, yeah. there was a movie, uh, Jen and I watched it, um, at Vancouver Film Fest, which, you know, everything right now is, is online. So yeah, we, yeah. we saw some Toronto Film Fest movies, and then we watched one from VIF. And it was called um, Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. You should see it. It's actually CNN Films made it. So it eventually will come out on CNN, I would imagine. But I, I love Jimmy Carter, but I didn't know, you know, I was young at the time, 76. Right. So I didn't know how closely connected he was with the music of the time. Like the Allman Brothers and and uh, all kinds of jazz musicians, and he's super close with Willie Nelson and close with Bob Dylan, and so you're and it was post Watergate, post Nixon, and oh, just yeah. to see the music aligning with the political like that, right? Right. And his place in it was absolutely fantastic, ah. and and so yeah, it brings you to kind of unearth some of the stuff, right? Re-listen to it again. Well, and, but to, to me, what's re resonating with me deeply right now is isn't this protesty stuff. It's more the the the, the fatigue. You know, mm. he, he he has a, a great uh, way of articulating melancholy, yeah. because he's been through the ringer uh, with with culture, society, politics uh, as an as an activist, even with the church. You know, you 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 can hear the fatigue. In, Do you in think his voice. is the fatigue different than hopelessness with him? Oh yeah, it, it's yeah. lament without despair. Right, hmm. but it is a great articulation of because I see I hear music sometimes, and I might be incorrect. I won't name artists, but like a friend of mine, he loves this one artist, and I go to listen to it, and I thought it just sounds sad. There, it yeah. sounds despairing Co without Co Coburn. Is Coburn's not, not that. He's yeah. not a nihilist, right? Yeah, but he's tired at times, and like songs like "Pace in the Cage." You know, mm -hmm. it, it just brings, and particularly through the pandemic, you know, and, and just through this this COVID time that we're finding ourselves in the midst of, and the social mm -hmm. upheaval and unrest. There, there are days when I'm just feeling sad, mm. and and I need someone to bring some articulation Amen. to that sadness. That's right? well and put. So, yeah, I've, I've been returning to him. So, there, well, there I like you have that. It. I like both. You, you you did both well. You know, Currents, Taylor Swift, fantastic, yeah. and and Bruce Coburn, and I'm sure much more. So tell us, Allison introduced you to us, but tell us some of your story, the parts you want to tell. Um, your, mm. you know, how did you get to be a pastor <laughs> or whatever, uh, your education. Oh, your, yeah. Well, uh, you had this wonderful podcast on growing up evangelical, you know, where you had daughters, I remember daughters that one. and mothers, you know, getting together talking about that. So I don't, I don't want to be redundant over, over an, an issue that was well covered already. <laughs> 
and Rector's Cupboard. I, I think you guys did a fabulous job. It's whimsical. It's hilarious. It's heart moving. So if you're listening to this, just go back scroll down. Go back. <laughs> yeah. And, Pause and this, go listen to that and come back. Yeah. But I, I think I kind of like, in terms of my age, I kind of grew up probably in the middle of, of, of you and your mom. In between. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sort of, I was more Me 70s, too. 80s, right? And so, but I was fully immersed in this thing called the evangelical subculture. Yes. You know, with, with, with maybe an exception in that I also had influencing me at that time um, two groups of friends in high school. You know, one group were these leftist political activists. <laughs> and maybe this is the Coburn connection, right? Yeah. But, I mean, they were just like, they were globally concerned. They were engaged uh, and members of Amnesty International, and they would be involved in also these local mobilized initiatives. And, you know, I was like a little puppy dog. Just there was like anti-nuclear stuff marches at the time, All like, that you know, kind downtown. Of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I used to work yeah. at BC Place, and I'd work during these, right? Right. Yeah. But, but, but I love these, 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 these gals and these guys because they, they, they gave a shit. Yeah. You know, like they, they really cared about yeah. what was wrong with the world. And, and I was just watching this, and, and, and I, I was feeling something was wrong with the world, too. My, mm-hmm. my nerve endings were, were, were feeling it. And so I, I just really wanted to learn and to know and to follow and to be a, a part of, of that thing. Um, the, the other piece was that there were these, these musicians. Uh, most of them had dropped out of school, you know, but I, I was a guitar player at that time, and I would, just, I would, I would, I would jam with them on occasion. And, and they're just, they're, their universe was so expansive mm. compared to mine. You yeah. know, I, I think they just drank very, very deeply of, of the world. And I felt that my universe expanded when I was around them because they were trying to come up with chord progressions that had never been put together before, you know? And, and so, you know, <laughs> let's do things like, let's bend everything, bend, bend, bend time, bend, you know, it sounds very hallucinogenic. <laughs> uh, but but there, it wasn't, not, at least right. not for me. Uh, but there Did was, you have that? Did you have this... Um, it sound, I mean, it might sound pretty rigid, but um, in that culture, in the evangelical culture, there was a little bit like the the difference in labeling of like your Christian friends and your non-Christian friends. Oh, this was is that, exactly it. That was yes. there? Well, this is exactly the problem. And, 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 and this is a part of my narrative is that along with these two groups of, of strong influences in my life and my world, who at times in reflection were far more Jesus-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, than, than the Christian community that was hanging out with it at the time. But uh, con- confronting you know, all, all of this was, mm-hmm. and pushing against it was the evangelical subculture that I was also fully immersed in. And, and um, you know, we, we lived in this parallel universe. Yeah. The evangelical subculture was this parallel universe where everything was kind of the same but different. You know, and it was very, very imitative, right? So whatever was going on in the world... You know, and, and, and this there is was secular. like a Christian version of it. There was a Christian version. Yes. We, 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 we came up with a Christian version. You know, they, they had Journey. We had Petra. They had Metallica. <laughs> we had Striper. You know, they had the Stones. We had Larry Norman, you know. And, 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 but but it, it, moved, it moved beyond music. I mean, they had, you know, the sculptor Ronan. And we had these little figurines called Precious Moments. Precious Moments. You know, they had a Those were Christian? Precious Moments? Were Christian. <laughs> oh, of yeah. course they okay. were. My grandmother had many. Were they all believers? <laughs> precious Moments? I don't know. Well, anyway, keep going. They, they were very <laughs> We don't need to get into the <laughs> theology of catch. them. Yeah, but, but they, you know, they, they, they had uh, Harlequin romances. We had Amish romances, right? Oh, I remember those. Looking at, like, the church. <laughs> church library and going those look like romance novels yeah but i feel like Weren't they're like probably series? very like, like g oh, yeah. very the, g who knew the amish were so sexy i, I couldn't tell the difference between <laughs> like i didn't read those books but i couldn't yeah. tell when i saw them wasn't isn't there still stuff like that like on oh, scene, yeah. like one calls the heart or whatever oh, yeah. but then yeah. 
But I mean, so even similar, like there's like the story of um, like George McDonald's books were right. pretty much like you, you, you read the books and you think one thing and then you look at the cover that they rebranded them with and you're like, this is, yeah, yeah, you were yeah. trying to sneak something in here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there were all these imitations and, and what they really were, were family friendly, sanitized yeah. versions. Well, with, moral with a little versions. Gospel, with a little gospel message in there somewhere yeah. too. Right. Yeah, that, that was Always got to hit that. There, there, so there was, was it that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of speaking some of my experience as well. I picked up that the culture then would help you to determine which which of those were acceptable and which were not. Well, beyond that, beyond acceptable, it was, I can't say this strong, strongly enough, like it was a matter of Christian discipleship that, that we consume Christian art, that, that we purchase Christian art, that we yes. did Christian art. Um, it was, it, 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 the world was at stake in, in, in the midst of this. Um, I remember one time there was a lip sync at my church. I was going to this Baptist church at the time. And my friend and I did this. Uh, there was a lip sync contest and the youth pastor, like they had a judgment, judging panel, a judgment panel. That sounds like <laughs> Oh gosh, that's that. very even. Had a panel of eternal judgment for our lip sync. And, uh, and my friend and I, Andy, who would be embarrassed about this uh, now, but yes. uh, he... He um, produced like a, we had like a 30 minute set for our lip sync thing that we did, like full five 30 different minutes. songs. Yeah. And at the time, he's certainly not like this now, but at the time, he was like, it needs to be Christian music. And so, and he had like um, fireworks in the sanctuary, and we got like dried ice and had smoke stuff and everything it was this very high thing. production value People were i think bored out of their minds but but <laughs> they let you go on the for youth 30 pastor minutes? determined that the person who did um i got you babe as sunny and share i think there's a bit of cross-dressing in that one as well um <laughs> they won okay and we were really mad because we did all Christian music and we should win. And so we got really upset and Aww, then they gave us the prize time. as well. So we got to share. But anyway, keep going. No, no, that, that's a great... That's as it, we though, digress. Right? That, that's, that's, that's not a digression. That's an immersion into the, <laughs> right, like, into the culture. But, but it really did set up this dualism, right? There, there was this kind of polarity. And, and this, is, this is how we formed our idea of the secular. Yeah. Was, was there was Christian and, and there was secular. And I think another thing that I c can't also emphasize enough is, is that it, it wasn't only a, a cultural um, um, dichotomy. It, it was a metaphysical uh, dichotomy. It, it, it what, was do the, 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 the what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, do, do you remember the book This Present Darkness by, by Frank Peretti? Yeah. Have you talked about that at all on any of these podcasts? No. I, I would like to... S I don't want to admit to you, reading you, that. Did you read it? Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't read it. I did. Well, there were demons everywhere. Hidden, there were right? so many demons. Yeah. So many demons. So, so, so the story really is, um, it's, it's kind of like a parallel narrative. Yeah. Something, something is happening in the heavens and, and the hells and then something's happening on earth. Oh, so there's, there's a yeah. dual narrative taking place. So it's kind of like, uh, the, the ancient, um, um, heresy of Manichaeism. You know, you, yeah, you have the, yeah. the, the, this dualistic sense, but yeah. a bit but, Star Warsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but what is happening on Earth? It's kind of like a, a marionette, marionette, mm -hmm. marionette, marionette. Yeah, kind, yeah. kind of a play that's taking place. And so Earth is kind of like these puppets. You know, yeah, we're, we're kind of doing Very our much. thing. You know, but in the heavens and in the hells, uh, you know, you have demons and angels, and they're they're kind of the fingers that are pulling the strings. Um, and if we, we do the right thing, you know, we, we are on the side of the angels. And if we do the, the wrong thing, uh, and, and, and it's the secular people that are doing the wrong things, right? And, and they're really in league with the evil one. They don't know they are because secularism is, is, is a deception. Yes, right? that's and very much kind of the mentality. Of yeah, it. yeah. So, so they're, they're, they're doing the will of, of the evil one, whereas the fundamentalist pastor in, in, in the town is doing the will of the angels and therefore the will of, of divine 
goodness. Mm. Yes. And and so the, the, this this confrontation takes place. So, uh, it, but that was part of our ontology. That was part of our worldview. It was part of the way that we thought as evangelicals at that time. So it wasn't just a culture war that was taking place. It was also a spiritual war. So you're yeah. that was taking place. I mean, it's one of our questions was the danger of the secular, but we're we're there now, right? Yeah, so I was just say we just went right. You. So your non-Christian friends, or even you, inadvertently, without knowing it, could be doing the work of the devil if you're choosing the wrong things on the side? Is it that much? Well, this was my cognitive dissonance as a kid. Right. <laughs> yeah, going, how do I make sense of this? Well, and who falls on what side of the line? Well, like, you know, it was just, a, it was really, really challenging for me. I, I tried really hard to do the Christian thing in the midst of this. I, I think there was even one point in time where I, I just kind of severed ties with some of the stuff and I severed ties with my friends and and I, I thought did you ever throw out your secular music I, I did hey, oh, that so is whatever. a bit of a touchy point for you Todd you may have to get over that uh, I never will no I, clearly we'll, we'll, we'll have another drink after this I, and talk I, about the, my, the my good music really we nice well-meaning youth pastor told me I should throw out my secular music he's, he's a oh, good I person I wasn't yeah. allowed to have but any that was a terrible music. thing to do yeah. so no. anyway so you well, have I, I just tried really hard and, and, and again I thought the way to follow Jesus was to just dive more immersively into the Christian mm. subculture, the evangelical subculture, but it didn't. It didn't work. Like it just didn't work for me. I, it, Do you think it works for people? It must work for some people. I, I don't know. Uh, to to a degree, I know for for myself personally, like I, I thought that was the only option because there there was always the at least the projection or the assumption that if things aren't working out in my faith or in other aspects of my life, that clearly I've done something to mess that up. And so I need to remedy that. And the only way to remedy that is to pray more and read your Bible more and, and go into all and of get this rid stuff. Of like, and just purge more. Well, and just yeah. isolate yourself into, yes. into only sacred things. I, I know for myself, like, I didn't have a lot of secular exposure growing up. Right. I, I was in church all the time. It was where most of my family was, my friends. I went to a Christian school. Like, there there was Jesus everywhere. Well, at least what I think is, like, some facsimile of Jesus. Right. Um, or what I was told was Jesus. Yeah. Um, but the only option was to go deeper into that or, right. or to remove yourself. And right. then there was the potential of if you do too many things that are sac or that are secular you could have like church discipline, like someone's gonna call right. you on that. Right. Because you're not behaving in a way that is Christ-like. Yeah. Oh yeah. You would yeah. have that. Well, I, I, I Did think you never most evangelical that? churches kind of had, had this, this kind oh. of, there was a little bit of the moral police dimension. Whew. Yes. And, and that if you weren't like living right, or if, if, if you were struggling, if you were backsliding, these, these were words that we would often use. Yeah. If you were falling into a carnal, Carnal uh, sins, yeah. Yes, yes <laughs> that, that, you know, the, uh, maybe a purge was necessary, you know, and, and uh, yeah. But then you then you went off and you did an undergrad degree yeah. at a secular university. I guess, yeah. Not just a secular university, um, like... Simon Fraser University. Yeah, for the yeah. Lower Mainland, yeah. the secular university. That's where I went to. Maybe that's why we're all off the track <laughs> saying, now. I think all of us went to um, SFU at you, some were point. Were you told that doing a degree at a secular university was threatening to oh, your faith oh, in any way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were there were people in my church that were uh, that were very upset or concerned. Let me just put it that way. You know, I, I would often hear, you know, the majority of those secular people there, you know, they don't like Christians very much, and like. Was that your actual experience though when you were there? No, this uh, 
Yeah. Th- th- this is the message for my church. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Not but that's not actually what your experience was. Well, uh, or to, not. To, to, to a degree. Okay. To a degree. I think there were people at SFU in the philosophy department that didn't like Christians. <laughs> but no one ever stopped to ask why. You know? And, right. and so, like, if you, if you ask why, like, why don't you like Christians and you actually listen, you, you might think they have a point. Right. Uh, you know, there, there were things that they were definitely good. saying that just, you know, rung of truth there. And you had to kind of accept the, the, the criticism, the critique, mm. mm-hmm. and, and uh, as, as, as truth. And, and uh, so that was, you know, part, part of it was that. Um, but, I, you know, I was, already, I was already crossing the barrier, crossing the line. I didn't have a vocabulary to talk about it. It was a pretty mm-hmm. lonely time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, you know, my, again, the, my, my glorious brother, you know, who, who's a beautiful Christian, yeah. um, you know, but a, a worldly one, you know, would like throw away my Petra tapes and throw in the Rolling Stones. And, you know, right. initially when we're washing the car, he's bigger than me, right? So he, <laughs> he gets to make the rules. In the boom box, you'd be listening to the Stones. And initially I was feeling persecuted, but, you know, after Aww. a while I just started kind of listening. I'm like, yeah, like when they're singing, I can't get no satisfaction or you can't always get what you want. This sounds more deeply immersive into reality, into the, mm. in Ecclesiastes. You know, in, 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 you know, just the mentions here that that the, the Christian arts artists wouldn't go. So by the time I'm going into university, I'm I'm already there's a little bit of a chip, and and a little bit of an attitude. Um, but I'm also feeling very very alone, um, just because. You know, I'm I'm in this place, and I think people. It's so gray it. up there too. I remember, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. if it rains and stuff, like it was so gray. What, yeah. when, when were you there? What years? Oh, around the same year, like like early. I'm sorry, mid mid to. Like I was 80s. there. My first year there was '88. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and I, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. But yeah, we were there a lot of time we alone, were there at the and same it's just time. raining. We were there at the same time. Yeah, and so yeah. just kind of carrying yeah. this. But existentially, you know, like I was, I felt like, and I think other people have felt this too. Like I felt too religious for the secular and too secular yeah. for the religious. I was just yeah, you just you go. Yeah, I don't know where to fit in because I don't, I don't want know. to just throw out my faith yeah. and just go I I don't care at all about that yeah. but it, I know for me there, there distinctly was a point where I was like I don't know how to hold this tension because I clearly don't belong there right and I feel like I certainly don't belong here yeah it is very lonely but but well, the university didn't destroy your faith no it didn't destroy my faith like it didn't <laughs> and and people thought it might yeah yeah, no, I, I was introduced to like this pagan named Homer, you know, and, and he was really not Simpson. Delighted. No, no. <laughs> Although, I, Although no. maybe <laughs> him also two Homers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was introduced to like this 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 biting deist named Voltaire, mm-hmm. you know, and he just was so witty and and so you know his anti-Christian or anti-church mm-hmm. um, anti-church articulations were so so biting and and whimsical and. Yeah, I, I met uh, this atheist named Albert Camus, you know, who, who just really had some interesting ways of, of, of painting what was the landscape that we were living in there. So I was encountering truth, goodness, and beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess something was deep enough, immersive, uh, in terms of my experience of Jesus, you know, where, where I just wasn't finding this altogether threatening anymore. Mm. Um, something interesting was also happening, you know, because along with this literature, I was also hanging out with these philosophers, right? And, and they were an interesting crew. And uh, my, my sister was a lit professor, right? And so she taught me oh. how to write. She was teaching me how to write. I was writing well. And I was actually getting better marks than some of these 
uh, friends of mine who were first-rate minds compared to me. Like, I, I was, I, I'm not a first-rate mind. I wasn't a first-rate mind. But I was getting better grades right. than them. Well, why? Well, because I was, I was articulating myself right. better. You know, I, my, my papers were more interesting, and there was clarity in what I was saying. And so I would help these guys out by writing their, helping, no, not writing their papers. <laughs> helping them write their papers, Mere right? confession. We're past the statute of limitations. <laughs> but, you know, but by helping them write their papers, I was, I was getting arti- um, um, acquainted with their thinking, with, with yeah. their ideas, with their sometimes beautiful ideas. And so it was shaping my mind, it was shaping my brain, and, and I was kind of coming through um, a more honed person um, as a result of that. Uh, but I wasn't as smart as these guys were, you know. I, I, I don't think that was my, my role. I don't think it was my place within that community. It was just, I was sort of just the, the Christian guy um, that was just hanging, hanging out with them, you know, mostly. But it, 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 it was a time of formation for me. Now, what about when you're there, so how long after that do you become a pastor? Oh, I don't know. That, that's a weird question. I, when, when no, like it, you when get hired, as you get your yeah, first yeah, job working okay. in a church. Yeah, I, I think, I think the, the question behind that question is, did you ever feel called to the church? You know, or, or, or when does that happen? Sure. And, and yeah. you know, I, probably like a lot of people, I don't have a moment that I right. can look back on to. I, I, I was immersed in the faith community at that yeah. time. Um, I was bringing articulation to the faith community. Was there a time. particular reason you chose to study philosophy? or? Um, in, in retrospect, I might have been running from that. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, the, 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 the due course, the, the, the regular formula was that if you feel called to church, right, you go okay. to Briarcrest, you go to Prairie, you go to like a okay. Bible college and you get your BRE. And, and there was a side of me that just didn't, didn't want that <laughs> so much. And so you so, were already being a little different than, you know, the typical the standard sort of evangelical. Per- perhaps, perhaps. I don't think that was a primary motivation. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 it was probably a dimension of that. That I really wanted to be in a place of refining discernment. If I was going to be going forward with this, it, it had to be for the right reasons. Yeah. And I couldn't be in a context where everybody was telling me I should do it. Because <laughs> um, that certainly wasn't the case at UVic. Nobody was telling me. No, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't expect so. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us how you think differently about the term secular like obviously you don't right. find it threatening you no. don't find it in opposition you mean to differently faith. than you used to yes because okay. i mean we, we've talked kind of about how the secular can be defined particularly within evangelical cultures right. um but i feel like you have a different either definition for it or way of understanding it or how like secular and sacred actually interplay with each other right and whether there's actually a difference there it, it, indeed and and i i think the, the dichotomy is, is something that really does need to be spoken to. When, when did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, when did we have this dualism that took place mm-hmm. in our minds and our imaginations? And, and is it rooted in scripture? Because to my mind, clearly it is not. It is not. Um, but this word secular is interesting. And, and you know, I've, I've, I, you know like, like you, Todd, I think I've, I've gone through a real um, evolution mm-hmm. in my thinking about it. And you've mentioned Charles, Charles Taylor. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll st- I'm going to start with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, because I, I think bon- Bonhoeffer was writing these letters um, while he was in prison in 1945. He, he, was, he, was, he was on death row, literally. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, he knew that the Germans were going to lose, you know, and that there was going to be something that was going to rise out of the ashes of... of yeah. Western Europe, after all of this had, had happened, had taken place. But, but he was under the strong conviction that the world was coming of age and that, mm. that we're no longer going to be working with the God hypotheses 
anymore. So let, let, let me unpack that just a little bit. I was going to say, please explain that for uh, me. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, he's looking at um, the rise of fascism. He's mm -hmm. looking at, yep. at the, the rise of Hitler and, and he's looking at the Catholic church that was impotent to deal mm -hmm. with Mussolini. And he was looking at the, the German church, the Lutheran mm -hmm. church, I guess mm -hmm. we can call it here. That was just the so-called German Christians at the time. Yeah. Right? And, and he they, was, they fell under Hitler's spell. Yeah. Right. And so it was, it was very, very clear that the, the church had married itself with power and done a very bad job of it. Um, or the, the, they were unable to, to call out, uh, evil, Let, let's just right. call it what it is, right? Yeah. And 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 so people would come on the other side, and there would be a reckoning, mm -hmm. you know. And and the whole world that was built around um, the Christian consensus, you know, Christendom, as we yes. sometimes call it, you know, this Christian narrative that was embedded in people's thinking, and and the liturgies of their lives, like not just not just going to church and and, and sitting and, and mm -hmm. hearing sermons and, and singing songs, but like the liturgies of, of, of their 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 calendar year, and and mm -hmm. even their weekly. Uh, observances and practices were kind of built around this vocabulary. It was built around these practices. And, and it was built around the God hypothesis. All of this was necessary if there was a God. But if you take away the God, uh, you know, as Nietzsche, mm -hmm. you know, kind of mm -hmm. prophesied this would happen, God is dead, you know, then, then what is left, right? And, and so Bonhoeffer said, this is, this is going to happen. And, and this is, in a manner of speaking, mm -hmm. what Charles Taylor is, is, he, is talking about in secular society. Yeah. Secular society, a secular, secular age. It's secular age. Secular yes. age is the book. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it's it's a huge tome. You know, it's seven eight hundred pages, yeah. and and it's pretty dense reading. But but he really does do the good job of. Well, I, he I mentions it right near the beginning of the book, where he says that in fifteen hundred around then, there's kind of three ways of seeing the world in the Western right. world, or three. I don't know if he, those are what he calls construals. He likes to use that word construal mm -hmm. a fair bit. And he says um, that one, God and the natural world are connected. So if there's a storm or a hurricane, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, then people must have done something because that's God doing that. But then the second one he picks up is that um, civil society was organized, was, it was taken for granted that these hierarchies and these festivals came from God. Right. And so your whole life was ordered this way. And right. then the third one he said is that the world was enchanted, right? Yes. And, and then he says those were gone. Right. Which you're talking about, like Bonhoeffer talks about the same kind of thing. Well, and 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 like they're they're both right. Like they 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 both prophesied what what we're experiencing today. You know, um, in 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 our community, we have people that that you know move from unbelief to faith, or move from something right. nebulous to to believing in Jesus. And you know, sometimes they do come from these completely um, non-religious, secular, social imaginaries. Their whole lives are built around secular liturgies. Right, yeah. not religious, so like ones. a school calendar. Yeah, or a, yeah, a sports calendar. Exactly, the, yeah. and yeah. and and so you know, I, but and and I sit and and I talk with them, you know, and, and like hear about their journey to, to coming to to faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. I put that in air quotes, uh, you know, and and mm -hmm. and and some of them will, will say, yeah, we didn't like, I just, we just didn't think about it, and I say, really, like like even at Christmas time, Easter, there was no talk around the breakfast table about God, and there's like, no, no, there there just there just wasn't. Um, you know, so, so this Augustine idea, you know, that, that somehow there's this gaping hole inside of each right. one of us that can only be filled by God. I, and to a degree, I think there is something to that, but like not to the, that people feel this absence, you mean? It's not nearly near the surface. Most well, people don't feel and, that And absence. not yeah. at this moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly not at the surface. You, you, you would have to s s dig at that scab pretty quick. So <laughs> with deep. this, speaking yeah. of Bonhoeffer and such, how do you, how do you see the secular as different than you were socialized to growing up? Like you, so now you look and you think, okay, there's, because secular is still, you said around this word, secular is still something that has meaning, sure. right? As opposed to religious. 
so to speak. Yeah, well, and, and we, we could have get a, into a very long philosophical yeah. conversation <laughs> a, a, about these things and about, like, for example, the rise of scientific reasoning and and as as a, as a way of coming to know things as opposed to revelation. Right. As a way of coming to know things and 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 how these things work and function. And, and um, like, I don't think the scientific community is, is humble, but I think, you know, scientific reasoning is, is self-corrective <laughs> by yeah. its very nature. It's self-corrective. Yeah. So I think this is a tool that has, has, has benefited us. I think it has risen as a result and it, it has prominence because of, of the rise of secularity. But um, the question again, uh, so, 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 so when you hear the word secular now, right. what happens in your mind? Well, your... to, to me, there is a bit of a sadness. I have to be honest that, you know, you, you, we now live in a world that if, yeah. if you're, you're completely absorbed by the secular, you, you don't have a narrative, in a manner of speaking, unless it's uh, self-generated. Um, and, and, uh, like you know, a loss of the transcendent. Th that indeed. is, there's a sorrow in the, that, the, right? The loss of enchantment. Yeah. You so know. Taylor calls that like the imminent frame, right? That's that right. We, we're now enclosed in yes. this kind of we are it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I know that sorrow, right? That you, and I... You know, I don't ever want to put faith or whatever on somebody else. Right. If they're not, but I've also seen people who would are supposedly, you know, non-religious, secular, right. whatever, who, uh, some, not all, I'm saying by any means, but who do express a longing for something mm -hmm. more, right. right? Right. That there is like, we get tired in that imminent frame of just right. ourselves. Yeah. So, well, and, and this is like, this is also where, where Bonhoeffer is far from hopeless, because, and I mean, you've spoken in, in some of your podcasts about the end of Christendom, about the death of Christendom, and, and yeah. you know, how... Yeah, Guder saying that. Yeah. And some of us are celebrating that, and some of us are welcoming that. And I come from an Anabaptist perspective, so we never believed in Christendom. You know? Right. We, we ne never believed in that marriage of power and faith. Right. That has always been a bad thing. Um, but Bonhoeffer himself, mm. sitting in prison, is, is not hopeless. He, he's, he's thinking that out of the, out of the ashes... You know, for out, out from underneath the rubble of Christendom is going to emerge yeah. um, faith communities that, that are centered in Jesus and maybe even sometimes in ancient practices. Uh, but they're going to come up with a religiousless Christianity. Uh. They're going to come up with a religiousless vocabulary to talk about these things because these words like atonement and sanctification that have no resonance in our secular society, let alone in our Christian society. You know, Not really, often. no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but there is going to be a new way to, to speak of and to talk about redemption, to talk about faith, to talk Swap about these right. things. And, and this is where I think artists can serve the church, coming full circle back to artists. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I think they are working with the elemental stuff of life, right? Uh, theologians aren't. Like, we, 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 we do something different. It's, right. it's secondary, but the, the elemental stuff of creation and redemption, the, the brokenness of the world yeah. that, that, that we live in, um, this is the stuff that we feel the immediacy about. And, but you and, can and just, the longing you can, for hope in the midst of it. And you can just see it in a or you can hear it in a song or see That's it in right. a painting or something. That's right. It just becomes... They're, they're working in, in with the vocabulary of metaphor and, and analogy and storytelling, and they're, they're sculpting with the tacit stuff of creation, right? And, and, and they're, they're shining a light on the darkness and the brokenness. And, and, and it makes us not just think about it, it makes us feel it. And, and, and I just think there is a way that art can inform theology and not the other way around. Mm. I was, I was going to ask about like Christian art, right. particularly. Um, I, I've experienced some bad Christian art. Oh yeah, art. it's kitsch. It's and, kitsch. And it seems it. to be that there, there's almost this, this idea that, well, if, if I've prayed and I feel like God's told me to make this, it doesn't really matter what I come up <laughs> with because it's blessed. And I'm like, I'm yeah. not 
I'm struggling to see that. So when you that. say bad Christian art, do you mean stuff that's just like super on the nose? That's like Well, there does seem to be and I and I do wonder whether it it's kind of something that is um like systemic with within the only understanding I have of of that would be evangelical Christianity. I don't know if it's in other places as well where there needs to be so much like you, you can't leave it open to interpretation. That's right. too dangerous. So you have to have too much literalness like in it. Right. And so like you see these things where like uh, one church that, that I attended had these like quilted banners and I, and I look at them and I go, there is actually so much talent and work that goes yes. into creating that. But what you've made, you have this Bible mm, verse on the bottom yes. and you have these crosses and you, ha- mm. and I'm just like, do, does it have to be so on the nose? Because I feel like there's there's real talent there, but I know in my experience, if someone paints three crosses on something, that's art. As far, like for Christian art, and I, I struggle with that because I go, is it that, or in your opinion, do you think that there's part where they're just, if you leave room for interpretation, right. people might not interpret it in okay. the correct, like orthodoxy or... Like the, the, you need to make sure that you spell way. it out so that they don't get the wrong <laughs> theology from it. Well, the first thing I want to say is that there is a place for liturgical art. Yes. And when I say liturgical art, I mean art that is really um, construed yep. and, and created. And Within like the worship of the community. For the, the worship life, of the yeah. community, right? And mm-hmm. so this is going to articulate things um, that, that are, are icons. They're for the people of God. Um, to help articulate worship, mm-hmm. you know, so we need good liturgical uh, calls and responses. Mm-hmm. We, we we need well constructed prayers. We we need mm. good theologically rich and deep songs that we can gather around together. They can't be too experimental. They have to be accessible because right. we all have to be able to. to well, that's sing the whole point of like congregational singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I think that's that is a mere splice of of art, right? Mm-hmm. It, it 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 is it is a drop in the bucket. I, I think what we what we must convey to our um, brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers and others who, who self-identify as, as Christian, is that they are simply bearing witness mm-hmm. to the world. You know, and, and, and when they're doing art, they're not doing it for the Christian community. They're not, they're not doing it for the sake of evangelism. Mm. Okay? There, there, there is no other propaganda or, or telos right. other than to bear witness to what you are seeing and feeling and expressing. Mm. And, and that begins with a robust understanding of creation itself. That, that it, it really needs no other justification. If you're drinking a good cup of coffee and you want to talk about it in a poem, just do it. You know, that, that is sacred. That is doxological. That, that, is, that, is, that is worthy of, of, of calling something sacred mm-hmm. in that particular moment mm-hmm. in time. Um, I think we, we need to be more courageous in our, in, in our um, engagement and our articulation of brokenness and sin. Mm. And, 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 and Christian artists have been told not to do that. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, like, it, it does seem like it's almost like, are, are they too scared to to say not like something that's not religious enough or yeah. not the correct like there there does seem to be a component to art as I've experienced it that it kind of it is yeah. like it just it, it exists right. and and so it, it stems it's bringing from articulation to something yeah and and the different like we all try to create things you know the difference between me and, and an artist is that they have something worthy of, of a public <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't right um, but they, they're, they're just doing things and they're just bringing articulation mm-hmm. to us and we're like going yes you know and, and I think one of the, the most important dimensions of, of when we think about redemption and, and and I know that's a Christian word 
Um, but if we can think about like people that have been busted that are looking for a way out, you know, how much art, how much narrative, how many films are, are, are really screaming out for this? I am just a piece of, yeah, I've, I've just, I've just blown it. I've absolutely wrecked my life. I've, I've damaged people mm-hmm. around me and I'm looking for a way out. And that is always scandalously particular. You can't put that in a formula. A God, like it, it, it happens in the nuances of our lives and our worlds. Mm-hmm. And, and so when it gets triped over mm. into some kind of formula, um, it, it, it just becomes kitsch. And, and, and kitsch to me is just, it's just the absolute denial of shit. If you want a good definition of kitsch, it's the denial of shit, the absolute denial of shit. And, <laughs> and, and, and we need art that doesn't deny that. We need art that speaks to it, that names it, that articulates it, but also finds the gospel and the goodness uh, with, 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 within the scandalous particularities of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing that better in Spielberg than, we're, than we are elsewhere, you know, in, in, in you know, so-called Christian media or whatever it be. Uh, the gospel is being presented way more profoundly and deeply in, mm. in, in, in some of these things because it's nuancy and it, it's particular and it's found within narratives and, and, and people's longings and, and, and the, the attempted fulfillments and hopes in the midst of this. Well, and what I've discovered as, as I feel like I, I've grown in, and evolved in my faith is, <clears throat> sorry, um, that so much of, of that is, is actually in, in the book that I was handed as a kid. Yeah. Like, I, I look at, at these wonderful biblical characters and they're so ridiculous ridiculously flawed oh yes and you go how how can like this theology that you're teaching me that that you know at the end of everything if you're a christian god will take care of you and everything will be perfect and i go that doesn't make sense with the stories that i'm reading in the book that you gave me to give me the answers right and i feel like there there's so much beauty and there is so much reality in in christian scriptures that is ultimately glossed over a lot oh 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 yeah we're uncomfortable with with we don't like a lot of these i find i find my faith at times like you never can tell i don't think when when your faith is enlivened or when you feel i'd say you know the presence of god as you're watching something listening to something or but i i recall and so i don't want to like you know sanctify the wrong things still have this old divide in mind right (laughs) but i remember a number of years ago jen and i were watching it around the same time we were watching the show mad men oh yeah Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same around the same time in our lives we were watching the show shameless and shameless um with william h macy and and um, it's just vulgar i mean it is over the top vulgar um, but I found it much more hopeful hmm. Interesting. than Mad Men, which... Very nihilistic. Ha- always, yeah, yeah, no hope, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. just... And yet, there was not vulgarity right. in that so right. much. And so I, I think that it's... Like, clearly what I can hear some of what you're articulating is the distinction between a liturgical community and a Christian subculture. Yes. That these are different things. But right. many of us have grown up with a Christian subculture that I think it's safe to say around these tables that we'd like to see kind of oh, yeah. come to an end. It's not helping faith. We have to end the dualism. Like yeah. we, 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 ha- we have to like, you know, like our, our, our search for the, for the sacred, you know, it, it has to find another discipline. It has to find another way um, than to, to create a, a, a distinction, a wall between the secular and the sacred. Mm. And, you know, you talk about our, our, our sacred texts, you know, if, if, if anybody did this, you know, with, with, with up absolute clarity, you know, this this is the Son of Man, the crucified one himself, right? I mean, he, he enters into the human arena, 
you know, uh, the, yeah. the, the complete mess yeah. of it all. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure today, you know, we would call him secular. Like he, yeah, sure. he you know, everything that he was about, like was, was you know, <laughs> they had their own ways of, of dividing the sacred from the secular. Yeah. You know, it was more moralistic in, in yeah. a lot of ways in, in some regards within the Pharisaical tradition. Yeah. Um, and we see a lot of that within the, the life of Jesus. But like, even, even his first miracle, like it's not even called a sign. Or so it's not called miracle. It's, it's called, called a, a sign. sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so it's 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 this this uh, affirmation of creation. Yeah, it's to keep a, it's to keep a party yes. going. Too. Yeah, it's turning, turning this water to <laughs> wine. Like like, and, and this is the first sign of the kingdom. You know, so so what is God declaring through the first sign of the kingdom? If He's taking something uh, as, as as neutral, but like giving His water, you know, and, and turning it into something. Um, like this, and you know, it, 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 it's very clear, and I, I don't think I have enough to defend this. Even a cursory reading of the scripture would tell you that Jesus is more of an artist than he is a systematic mm. theologian. <laughs> like he—he's he, telling stories. So I mean, even the stuff that he's doing is performative art. You know, like going into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, yeah. tur turning over tables. Yeah. You know, even this iconic well. moment of the cross is—it's demonstrative. You know, um, um, and, and so there, there is performative dimensions and performative art to, to his, his life, his death, his resurrection. And it, it, even, yeah, so, so theology is, is really the secondary discipline. It's not the primary discipline right. here. And, and so we, we have to look at art to inform theology forward. I think if, if we're really listening to Bonhoeffer, you know, really it's good. not the other way around. We, we, we shouldn't have theologians wagging their fingers at the artist saying, this is how you must do your art. These are the uh, the confines. These are these are the, the boxes. These are the constraints that you must do your art within. Now, uh, the tables need to be turned. Our, our artists need to create, and and humbly, theologians need to be looking at what they're doing and going, okay, what am I seeing here? What am I feeling right now? Yeah. And 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 is it resonant with the gospel that we know do, and declare? I think the last thing I want to talk about, and and then we'll just ask you kind of where you and you've told us already, but our last question is kind of where, where do you see hope in this moving forward? And you've expressed some of that already, but I wanted to kind of look at one last thing. I don't think it's just a tendency within myself. One of the reasons that I pushed, pushed against that subculture in my upbringing um, was that it required me to kind of look down on my friends. Yes. Um, and mm -hmm. I didn't feel the presence of God in that setup. I just thought, I didn't have the articulation. I didn't have the theological understanding yet. I, I was reading the Bible every day, but I didn't, you know, I had to get enough confidence in a sense to go, wait a minute, that's not the way it should be. As if I had something to say, but they didn't. Right. You know, and, and this superiority, this triumphalism that can kind of creep in and, and you think this is um, against people. Yes. It's, it's, it's taking, you know, the, these, these wonderful people and I'm not even able to listen to them because supposedly I have something to say. Um, but but they really don't, at least not equally. And you mentioned Bonhoeffer, one of the labels that, you know, Bonhoeffer and then from him, uh, those speaking ab about him since, is this label um, Christian humanism. Right. That, that there is this uh, appreciation of humanity. Mm -hmm. It's not humanism like we were told was dangerous, right? Right, right, right yes. But one of the things that is most Christian is mm -hmm. the appreciation of humanity. Yes. And so this was something that, in my own upbringing as well, it's one of the reasons I pushed against this divide was that, I just saw how it required me to think less of often people making wonderful art and all the rest, right? But yeah. it's uh, I, I don't have anything but affirmation yeah. <laughs> for, for what you've just said. Yeah, um, it, it really did create a stratification. I mean, so it wasn't even a dualism; it was a stratification. It wasn't even like on a on a, a linear continuum. It, it put me up above and superior mm. to. 
and 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 nothing could be more anti-gospel. Yeah, like people saying to you, like, be careful, don't listen to Alanis or something. And then yeah. I was listening to Alanis go on, like, yeah. she's asking questions that are, you know, so much better and speaking about the human condition or, oh, or whatever. Yeah. And then you kind of bust out of that. Mm-hmm. All right, so to, to bring us home, what are you most hopeful about moving forward? Your own community? <laughs> um, you do see this divide being pushed against. It's interesting, we talk about Bonhoeffer. Um, there are some political similarities to eras now in terms of the evangelical church and the oh, way yes. that... That oh, it's lined that's up. So, I mean, well, you've had mm. those conversations yeah. about American exceptionalism yeah. and, and yeah. The, the rise of that in, in the States. And again, anybody who's listening to this, if you're dialing in for the first time, <laughs> you really got to scroll down and listen to some of the, mm. the previous conversations on Rector's Covered because I... There, I'm, I'm just plugging you, Sean. Oh, right now. I think there's some very, very good conversations that you've had around this particular matter and this issue. Um, I, I think to, to deal with my own, I mean, hopefully I've, I've sounded hopeful. You have. <laughs> as I've you been have. communicating here. But, but one of the, the great sources of hope for me, and my kids are about your age. I, I have a son who's 25. About my kid's age, you mean? Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, and, it, yeah. and a daughter. Todd's a little older than 25. Me. I'm pointing. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. Um, is, is that it's, it's not part of their Christian mm. experience. The, the, this this uh, dichotomy between the secular and, and the religious, or the secular and the Christian, you know, there there is a um, an already coming out from underneath the rubble of of, of kind of that's a new great. a new kind of Christian to steal yeah, something from Brian McLaren, yeah, yeah, um, and and I, I don't think they they they've lived in this polarity in the same kind of way, and and so they're not fighting against it either. There there isn't that kind of massive dissonance, cognitive dissonance, and I mean they have their own issues for sure. I mean they're, they're my kids. Poor kids, you know, they've been raised by me. They're going to have issues, uh, but uh, but but this isn't one of them, yeah, right. And 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 both of them are are creative, and, and both of them have, have engaged in, in artful things. And um, yeah, I, can I tell a quick story? Of I mean, course, we have yes. something we have something that we we did through Holiday called Makings, you know, and it was put up put together by some of our our local musicians, and um, and they would invite other musicians from town. Um, into this experience, and and it, it was built around this reality for many artists. That by the time they're on stage performing their art, whether it be spoken word um, poets or or musicians, they've they've already done this music to death. You know, they've recorded it. Um, there's an expectation that when they're on stage, they're playing it. And you know, by the time they're the, the music, sound was dead to them. <laughs> Sometimes by the time they're playing it before you know screaming audiences. Um, and so uh, they, they, we wanted to give them in an environment and a context where they could try some new things out on a generous audience. You know, these, these were songs in the makings, right? So these weren't songs that were finished yet. They were incomplete. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we would um, invite um, local musicians from around Victoria to just come and, and share the stage together. We passed around the hats, so we treated them well financially. You know, they would come and they would feel like it wasn't a waste of their time. That's great. And and they would come up and they would talk a little bit about the creative experience, you yeah. know, uh, the, the, the creative um, juices that were involved right. in, in, the, in the creating of, of this, this music and this song. And like when I wrote this song. Yeah, this yeah. And, and some, some of the songs are half-baked, you know. And, but you would have these professional musicians and spoken word um, poets, as well as painters and sculptors. And they would be kind of wow. doing their work on the side as, as this was happening. Most of them brought in work that they had already started. And they just kind of, like, in that environment, continued to do it so that they were in a creative space while they were, while they were working on their art. And we could appreciate, you know, their, yeah. their um, creative... Um, process in front of us and and uh, so so these musicians would sometimes be playing songs and and one of them would be saying okay a guitar solo would kind of go in here somewhere and somebody (laughs) on stage would would be listening to that chord progression and and they would they would just plug in their guitar right and and just start 
you know, pulling out a solo in, in, in the middle of that. And so we have these two musicians that are known in town uh, doing something, you know, or, or, or someone would have a very, very um, um, easy to follow course, you know, in the middle of their song. Yeah. And, and, and they would just ask the other musicians who are great vocalists to just do some background vocals. That's very Right cool. on the spot. And so we would be experiencing something on stage that had never happened before and will never happen again. You know, j just this bounty of, 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 of musicians doing their art for this group of people. And you want to talk about a transcendent experience. Oh, yeah. um, and, and the vast majority of the people there, vast, 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 vast majority would not self-identify as Christian. You know, and, and yet they were in a church, you know, and yeah. in, in a manner speaking, the church was kind of hosting this hospitality toward them. And we communicated this to our congregations on Sunday morning. Like these folks are going to be getting up and saying things and singing things that <laughs> might be objectionable to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't, don't bring your, you know, uh, your, 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 yeah. your young children to this particular event. Um, but there really was this um, yearning and quest uh, for transcendent, for like, like even even hymns to the unknown God, you mm. know, uh, the altars to the unknown God that are being built and constructed here on stage, and and we were present for this, and it just felt like such a gift. Do you still know. do that? Well, I guess not with COVID, but are we you don't still do doing it with, we. And it, it was a big effort to, to put together. Okay. So maybe on the other side of COVID, That'd we'll try wonderful. to. Uh, that sounds so to, fantastic, to collaborative, and yeah. kind well, of, and uh, what's striking to me is is how safe you must have had to like what what sort of trust did you have with these artists that they're like you're, you're gonna come in and present us with stuff that you know is not like performance ready right. and and trust us that we're going to be supportive right. and receptive and this is going to be a place where you can do that like right. how, how did you even how did you get them to trust you well well first of all it wasn't mostly me you know mm -hmm. and i have to give again a shout right. out to, to mike adele down in seattle and colin mctaggart who still uh is, is in victoria so there, there were other artists that were part of our community mm. um that invited They're, friends into and this then thing. they're trusted and awesome. yeah yeah and it, i had some trust with some you know yeah. so yeah. I, I wasn't completely eliminated from the picture but it, it really was um it rested a lot on, on their reputation and their shoulders. And I so can't cool. think of an artist that didn't walk away from that experience. So feeling very uplifted. That's awesome. Very already. supported, very encouraged. Just by the simple act of hospitality. Mm -hmm. you know that, Because not everybody in that room, you know, was, was an indie artsy uh, person, right? Like some right. of these are just congregational members. But they're being exposed to something beautiful as well. Yeah. That's so good. I, I really like that. I, I just have this in my mind, you know, the... the um, the creative act in, in in regards to creation, right? As as ongoing. Mm -hmm. Yes. As and I picture somebody playing, you know, a piece of a song and then somebody in the audience or also on stage just seeing something emerging from that yeah. that maybe even the artist didn't quite yeah. know was there. That's exactly how it was. And it is this listening together. And I guess as we close, that's what we're calling for. We're not you know, that there are things that they don't ever think of the transcendent or of God or, or whatever. So we're not trying to claim that all things are, you know, unto Jesus, so to speak, in, in that way. Uh, but this listening together mm -hmm. um, to see the emergence of, you know, humanity, to see that, which is wonderful, mm -hmm. or beauty, goodness, truth, as you've mentioned, mm. and then to know that you're in the presence of that. Yeah. And then to be able to, you know, if you can speak with the artist, to let them know of that experience, mm -hmm. that this is something that is a key part of our faith, that we recognize this. So thank you so much for joining us here uh, today talking about this. 
Um, and uh, we hope to continue this conversation. This is an important topic to us. So this is kind of an introductory uh, conversation to talk about the secular. I, I want to keep uh, in various ways with different people, different aspects, uh, talking about this because I think it's something that... Uh, that we can help ourselves with and, and maybe those people who are listening to us. So anything you want to plug right now? No, man. Okay. No. We'll put, we'll oh, put okay. stuff in the episode notes. So, <laughs> okay. uh, you have given us a bunch of stuff. So yeah. That's I've been taking be notes. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much. It, it Randy. really was a pleasure to be here. Great. Yeah. Great for you to join us. Take Thanks care. so much, Randy.